before um, Ian comes to speak to us. And they're Matthew 6, 19 to 21, and Luke 12, 33 to 34. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart also will be. Luke, sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Those who are here this morning will see I got it in right first time. <laughs> Hi everyone, it's, it's an amazing thing really as we look at something that for so long we think of in one way, but I want to suggest to you tonight that we think about it differently, in a, in a different way. Now I just want to give you a very brief recap of the, of the message from this morning, which was the start of a series uh, that we've called Invested. Uh, and, and then we'll just dig a little bit deeper and then there's one or two other things will be happening as well. Uh, but th- this morning, we were talking about in- invested. We were talking about uh, the Bible teaching is that the moment that we commit our lives to Christ, everything changes, absolutely everything about who we are, our state of being, our personality. Everything changes as the Holy Spirit comes in fills us with his Holy Spirit so we think differently, we behave differently. We're saved, restored people. Now, we also change our citizenship. We're citizens of wherever we are at the moment on your passport, but when we become a Christian, we become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. So that means that for the moment, We've actually got two passports, one for wherever it is and the other for heaven. Now, one of the principles, if you think of a self-determining country, is they have their own currency. I mean, so much of Brexit was about currency, wasn't it? And who has what and how it all works. But it's about having a currency. And we had a look at uh, how... When we die, our physical currency dies with us. But the Bible teaches us and the verses that we looked at uh, is that there is, in fact, a heavenly currency. There is a currency for the kingdom of heaven. And you can access it now to put money into it, ready for when you go. I'm going to Rwanda in, in a, few, a few days. Uh, we have some currency for Rwanda. We get the currency we need for when we, where the place we're going. You don't take with your currency from where you've been, but you take currency for where you're going. And so when I come back, there's not going to be a lot of point in me bringing a whole load of Rwandan currency and going down to the local co-op and saying, there we are, pay for whatever. It won't work. And so too, we need the right currency 
for the right kingdom. And the right currency for the kingdom of heaven is heavenly currency. That will await us because we can send it on ahead and wait until we uh, arrive there. So we've been reading in, uh, in, in Matthew and Luke that one of the tasks that we are given is we are told by Jesus to store up treasure in heaven. We're told to store up currency. We're told to get it all ready. And it's not a suggestion. It's not maybe you want to consider doing this. Jesus is quite specific. Store up treasure in heaven and do it now. Right now. So how does that work out uh, in, in, in practice? Because the wealth of passages in the Bible uh, tell us that the way that you create heavenly currency is by giving earthly currency away. Earthly resources away. Earthly time away. Earthly skills away. Releasing it into heavenly work. And we saw that so often we think to ourselves that as soon as we give something to God's work or whatever, that is giving. But I want you to think about it for a minute. If you put something, if you spent something, if you bought something, but then you get your money back afterwards and with a dividend, would you consider that to be giving? You actually wouldn't. You'd call it investing. Because the Bible teaches that as we give to God, he gives back to us big time. And not only do we have a sort of fluctuating earthly currency chucked away and replaced with a heavenly currency that has value and will remain, but it comes back with more. And it's about putting our money into something that's going to carry an earthly a heavenly dividend, we wouldn't call it giving. And I think sometimes we think of giving the wrong way around. That money in our wallets doesn't count. It's in the wrong currency. And one of the things that Jesus said that was really quite interesting that we saw this morning is Luke 16, 9. He says, use your worldly resources to benefit other people and make friends. And then... When it's all gone, in other words, when you die, they will welcome you to your eternal home. What will welcome you? The gifts that you've made on earth in the service of the kingdom of God. What you've spent on other people. Because that's the conversion process for converting short-term cash into long-term permanent heavenly treasure. And we looked at the conversion rate. Those of you with good memories will remember that I showed you this conversion formula about nine years ago, uh, and, uh, and I've made a change since then. One person, bless him Andy, has spotted what the difference will be. I'll leave it to anybody else to see if you can remember it, uh, if you can. But how, how do you work, work out what heavenly treasure is worth? There's a formula, and I think this is probably close to the biblical formula. Uh, HT is heavenly treasure. That's not a difficult bit to, to guess. S is our giving as a gift or a service, whatever it might be. 
Uh, and I'm going to show you uh, later on a little bit how we might calculate that. Uh, Q, quality, personal cost. God makes it clear in a lot of places, you know, that he doesn't welcome rubbish. doesn't welcome a gift that's tatty, a gift that's not properly thought about, a gift that's just basically rubbish. And you'd actually be surprised the, the number of people from projects I've done the people who will give you rubbish and expect you to be grateful. It's just bizarre. Uh, there's the old story, and, and it's a, it may well be true, of somebody who sent out second-hand tea bags for the missionaries. You know, that sort of stuff that really should just be thrown away. What's the cost to us? How much does it cost us uh, to give this, this thing? And then the, the motive, and, and Jason's going to be looking at that next week. And W is what's been withheld. And that's why, for example, in the story of the, the widow's mite, that mite was worth so much because there was nothing withheld and everything was given. And the rich young ruler that we read about as well, who was asked to give of his plenty, just didn't want to give anything. And it's interesting that Jesus did not chase after him, trying to get him to change his mind. That was it. He'd made his choice, and and so do we. I want to think about this value of giving for a minute uh, and just build on on, on some of these thoughts. Uh, The former chief rabbi, uh, Jonathan Sachs, suggests that there are eight levels of giving. Uh, It's a book on ethics to heal a fractured world. It was a book that Andrew Gardner uh, asked me to read quite some time ago. Uh, And uh, it was one of those things on a long air flight. uh, You'll you'll read all sorts of things because it wasn't really my cup of tea. But there was one one chapter that really hit me and that was on giving. Uh, And he defined it as eight different levels. I'm not going to bore you with them all. I'll just tell you the top one and the bottom one. Uh, The lowest level of giving is to unwillingly give less than was required by the person in need. It's sort of dragged out of you. You don't really want, you're pestered for it. And then you sort of give a bit less and, you know, hope they'll go away. And a lot of our charitable giving is like that, isn't it? But that's, that's his lowest level. The highest level, the eighth level, is where giving is given willingly before even being asked and giving more than was immediately required so that the person in need doesn't need to ask for help again. Let me get that right again. It's willingly giving before anything was even asked more than was required for a situation but in such a way that the person didn't need to ask for help again. So, think for a minute. Where generally, on that sort of axis, does most of your giving sit? Do you have to be asked? Are you reluctant? Do you feel that it's not my problem? All the sorts of things that we normally say. 
And so the question is, what do we need to change in our own thinking, in the way that we invest in other people to move it to that eighth level? We saw, for example, uh, this morning uh, in the work that we're doing at Kibagora Polytechnic, uh, the university that the church has started, this is a church project, because all the local people were leaving the area, the bright young people were leaving the area, and so a university was created to universally educate people, to build on the opportunities for hope and a future, biomedical stuff, teaching stuff, medical stuff, all sorts of things, pastors. And when you think about it, that's the eighth level, isn't it? Because the first level is just giving people what they need to eat for the week and leaving them to it. But they're going to ask you for the money next week and the week after, and the poverty will continue if you don't change the way you do it. But in Kibagora Polytechnic, we've created hope and a future. People are now earning their own money and also putting it back into the community. So the whole community is rising up. And the difference in the community and the wealth of that community and the well-being of that community in the time that I've just been going there is astonishing. When I first used to go out there, they lived in what you could only describe as huts. The nearest tarmac road was 20 miles away. You very rarely saw anybody in shoes. And now, the tarmac road goes straight to Kibagora. Tarmacs. It was what Sheila had been dreaming of for 35 years. You very rarely see people without shoes. And people live in what we would recognize as houses. The change has been astonishing because of this eighth level of giving into the people of Kibagora. And the great challenge that we face is that every time we open our wallets or our credit card or whatever, uh, we can choose whether what we spend will be an investment for eternity or not. And our heart's pivotal in it all uh, because our heart sets our priorities and our destiny. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart for above all else, it determines the course of your life. So if your heart is on heavenly things, that's where you're going to invest your stuff, isn't it? So you might say, well, I'm not quite sure what my heart and my passions really are. You give me 10 minutes looking at your bank statements. I'll tell you what your heart and your passions are. Because it's there, spelt out. All the things you spend your money on, that's where your heart and your passions are. And the question this evening I want to ask specifically is, what's our passion for the local church? What's our passion for that? How do we unlock passion to see what God wants to do? Because when we invest in church, and we do it very low-key here, uh, and I should say that I'm not going to say what I'm just going to say now at the request of our finance team or even our pastor or anybody else. This has come from, from my initiative. But when 
we invest in church. It's not paying for services rendered. You know, we pay for the pastor, for goodness sake. We pay for the young people to be looked after. We pay for somebody to do the evangelism for us. We pay for a youth team. We pay for a coffee bar. You know, we deserve it. We're buying it. We're like a consumer. But actually, we're not. Because our predecessors did that when they sacrificially invested in the land. Our predecessors invested in this building. Our predecessors invested in in the site. Our predecessors invested in structures, in training for our people to provide the services. No, when we give into the church, we're investing for the next generation. We're generating an opportunity for people in the future to hear the gospel, to have the opportunities that we had that were made available to us by our forebears. We're investing in the next generation to make a difference, to be a witness of Christ in this neighborhood. So what sort of a vibrant church are we building for the next generation? And some of our next generation are already here. Welcome. And some of us have been that next generation and it's been and gone. We tend to give to a cause. I don't know if you've noticed, but our special gift days do well. And when our church's gift days incorporate pictures of children, especially hungry children, it goes to our heart, and the gift days do very well. It's noticeable that the gift days with hungry children in pictures generally realize about twice as much as any of the others. Why? Because you react to an immediate need. The problem is that nobody gets excited or challenged in pain for the boiler to be serviced, or in pain for the carpet to be cleaned or in pain for the, the, the IT to be repaired, for the screens from which we sing our songs, for all the other bills that this place has. And so as a result, we have wonderful gift days. We send lots of money all over the place. But there's a 70 grand black hole in pain for our bills. Simple as that. And who's created the black hole? Us. So how do we apply the Jonathan Sachs principles as a church? Because the church, the treasury team, have been on and on and on for ages and ages about the funding. And we haven't broadly listened. And the collections haven't broadly changed much. And we have a 70,000 black hole. We're not at number eight. We're probably not at number seven, six, five, or four. But somewhere below that. How do we apply that? And the question is, what's our passion? And the question that you might ask is, have we run out of money? And if you were at the last church meeting, the answer is no. 
because our predecessors left us a legacy of land which has been sold and the houses across the road have gone up uh, and we have supposedly been investing that money in growth. Only we haven't. <laughs> it's a bit like the... Uh, no, I won't get political about this. Uh, <laughs> don't go down there. But the point is, the money that we set available to fund growth has gone. We're much the same size as we were at the beginning of it all. Uh, and to be honest, and to be fair, the pandemic has come in between, but that has still grown the church significantly. Uh, and the money that our predecessors left us will probably have gone within the next two years on the, on the numbers that I've seen and which are publicly available. There's a local business saying, uh, and every community has its own variation on this, uh, clogs to clogs in three generations. Have you heard that? It's a, it's a business phrase that a lot of people use a lot of times, and, and different communities and different nationalities all use the same sort of phrase. And so what happens is the first generation start the business, the second generation develop it, the third generation spend it, and then it's all gone. And you see it again and again and again. And the problem is, brothers and sisters, we are that third generation. If you look at the life of this church, we are about the third generation. We've got a couple of years to turn it round and leave a legacy for the next generation. And the question is, do we have a passion that the church is the means that Christ ordained for sharing the gospel of hope and redemption in our neighborhood? Because if we believe that the hope of the, ch the church has got a key role in the work of the gospel, then we'll put investments into that because there will be a return and it will be a return that will be similar to two generations back. So if our heart is for church growth, then we're going to invest seriously in the church. And we don't often feel a need to put money away for pensions when we're young seems such a long way away and there's so much to enjoy in the meantime. But why should we apply that sort of saving model to heavenly treasure too? Why shouldn't we? Because there's enormous benefit in starting to, to give and invest in the kingdom when you're young. I tithed out of my very first salary uh, to support one particular missionary, uh, which I then did for the next 25 years. We supported them through thick and thin, and there was a lot of thin, I have to tell you. Uh, but there was also a lot of wonderful moments as well. And we learned so much through walking with this couple through their mission projects. And it was tempting to stop in our early married days because Val always earned more money than I did. Uh, and so when she stopped and the children came along, uh, she wanted to be a full-time mum. So our salary payroll didn't go down just by half in our family. It went down by two-thirds. Uh, so it was a very difficult time. But we just felt prompted never to stop investing in what God was doing. 
When our kids went to university, and, and this is a story about Mark, uh, he tithed out of the allowance that I gave him. Uh, and he had a jar in his room, which he put there, and he put his money in it, sort of month by month, as he, as he got his allowance. And then one day, his room got turned over. The place was turned upside down, stuff was stolen. And this jar that sat on his desk in his room with all this cash in, marked God's jar. That's not the one on the picture, incidentally, but it, you know, in his own writing. But it was marked God's money. Guess what? Wasn't touched. Wasn't touched. It was left there. And that made a big impression on Mark. You know, that God protected money invested in him. And so, there will be ups and downs in our financial lives. But the question I'd like to leave with you tonight before we move on to this next thing is, so how's your passion for the local church? And on Jonathan Sachs' scale, where would it sit? Um, just... Uh, purely practically um, to start with, and we're going to um, look at how we respond to this in a bit, but just purely practically, how do you give to Forward Free Methodist Church? Some of you know that very easily, you know what to do, you've been doing it, but some of you, one of the reasons you don't give is because you don't know how to do it. And I just want to tell you practically some of the ways you can do it. There's a box at the back that says offering box, you can pop cash into there, you can pop a check into there. There's envelopes that have got um, that are around at the back in the foyer there, and you can write on those. You can put your details on there. There's our giving station where you can pay with your um, debit card. Just get that out. Put the amount in you want to give. So um, you can do that each Sunday. You can do it once a month. You can do it maybe when you've just got some spare money. Or you can speak to Matthew, our treasurer, and you can arrange to do it by standing order and do a monthly direct debit. Uh, that way. Gift aid. If you are a taxpayer, we can claim gift aid back on anything you give. And uh, it'd be great, again, if you decided to give regularly that you spoke to Matthew or Philip and said, I want to give regularly. Um, this is a, I'm a taxpayer. Please sign me up for gift aid. So there's lots of different ways you can give. And we just wanted you to know how to give tonight because that may be one reason why you've not given because you just don't know how to. Because we're one of those churches where you don't see people give. The, the plate doesn't come round, the bag doesn't come round, so you don't actually see people giving. And people have actually said to me, how does Forward run? Because I don't know who, who gives money. Where, where does money go? When does anybody ever give money? And they actually thought that we were um, given money from uh, America uh, was how they thought this church was run. Uh, they thought headquarters for the Free Methodist Church in America was, was how we were funded um, because they, they'd never seen anybody give any money. Um, so our um, ways of giving uh, are many different ways, but I just want you to think about that tonight. Um, is that one of the reasons that's stopping you from giving that um, you just didn't know how? But also I just want to let you know that um, two weeks ago we had our CAP gift day 
and we raised over six and a half thousand pounds and that's before gift aid and that will go up to around ten and a half plus and we really give God thanks for that and we just want to say thank you to you for giving because as Ian said whenever we've got a need and we share that with you you step up and you meet that need and that money has allowed us to pay for our cap debt centre, to pay for, pay for the expert advice um, that they need for people to work on behalf of our clients. But also, last week you gave practically, you gave us food. And that's enabled us this week to take food, food bags out to um, cap clients and to our community connections. And again, I wish I could take you with us when we go, when we take these bags to, to the families because it is just such a blessing to see the reaction on their faces when they say thank you. Because um, I got one of the texts off one of them this week, and they just said, I have nothing. Just some bread and jam would do. That's all they wanted was bread and jam. And because of your kindness, your generosity, I was able to take far more than that. And so hopefully they will eat um, at least all this week with what we took for them. So thank you so much for your kindness and your generosity. And we're just going to have a, a few folks share now, and Linda's going to come and just share about how um, she was impacted and um, how she invested when life um, circumstances changed for her. Thanks, Linda. Um, before I start, can I just add my thanks as well for the uh, amount we raised for Cap Sunday? Um, it, you really are so generous, and it, it's truly overwhelming. Um, I was asked to speak tonight um, because um, a number of years ago, just after I retired, I attended something called the R Course at Fullwood Methodist Church. It was actually run by Ian Higginbottom. I can't actually remember anything about the course. Sorry, Ian. Um, <laughs> the only thing I can remember is, and I think it was on the last night, I'm not really sure even about that, but um, we were going around the table and... Um, I came on this course because I'd, I'd recently retired and I thought, well, I've got a few spare hours here. What should I do? What should I do with them? And uh, we're on this, I think, last night. We're going around the table and the hypothetical, hypothetical, that's important, uh, question at this point was, well, if somebody gave you £10,000, what would you do? And uh, people said, I would travel, I would travel, I would travel. And we got to me and I was last and I went, well, actually... I've done quite a bit of travelling in my time, but I've never um, been anywhere. I've never lived anywhere. I've never lived anywhere else apart from here. And I'd really like to go somewhere for longer and absorb the culture. This was hypothetical. Um, so he said, well, where would you go? And I said, well, I'm not really sure, but the only continent I've not stepped foot on is Africa. Well, actually, it wasn't true because I haven't stepped off foot on Antarctica either, but that's on the list and I didn't think of it at the time, thankfully. Um, and, um, and so he said, ah, I think I know what you can do. So, <laughs> so it turned out that what he thought I could do was be manager of Kibagora Mission for a year. Um, and it was um, the lady who was doing that, she was also a nurse there, she was going back home to America for a, for a 12-month furlough, and they needed somebody to, to fill in. So I thought, well, I can't go. I had no intention of going anywhere. I'd just bought a 12-month gym membership. Where was I going? <laughs> so um, <laughs> it, 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 I'd, I'd, 
absolutely no plans to go anywhere. So uh, in addition, I just learned uh, from the government that they weren't going to pay me my pension at 60. I had to work till 66. So I had some part-time businesses that were going to make up the shortfall. So I wasn't going anywhere. Um, so um, I sort of pondered on this, but the process just then seemed to take on a life of its own. Um, there was another great, so the first thing I had to do, somebody told me, was I had to actually fill in an application form for the church uh, to approve me going. And I thought, well, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, I'd made myself a promise when I retired that there were two things I was never going to do again. One, I was never going to fill in an application form that somebody could say no to me. And the second was I was never going to go to an unnecessary meeting, but we'll lay that to one side. So... Um, Anyway, they, they, they sort of did this. And I thought, well, okay, okay, I overcome this. And they're going to say no anyway, because why would I go? Well, uh, I decided to roll with it and let them go. And then I thought, well, I'm going to have to face the financials here. And then, so obviously they approved. So then the second hurdle was I had to fill another application form in to the supervisor in Africa who had to approve me going. So I thought, well, he's not going to do that. You know, it's all Americans there. So um, anyway, we, we, we sent emails, we did whatever. Uh, and lo and behold, he did approve. So meanwhile, while all that was going on, I was um, investigating the financials. And I knew that I had to pay rent for a year when I got there. You have to rent the accommodation. You're going to have to pay for the fuel you use, the internet you use, everything you use. I had to pay for the flights there. I had to pay for the taxis to and from. It was five hours from the airport to, the, to Kibagora. And this was for a year. This was going to be many, many thousands. If I went, I was going to lose one of my businesses, and so I was going to lose that income. Uh, my second part-time business, I was going to have to find somebody to fill in for me, and I was going to have to pay them. I was still going to have to pay a mortgage back here. I was still going to have to run a house. I can't go. I absolutely can't go. What was I thinking? And so I kept pushing these doors and pushing these doors, and every time I went home, I had this column on the right-hand side and column on the left-hand side, and uh, I got it down. I realised that, actually, I could saw in my car and I could put that central heating on low and I wouldn't have energy bills and water bills and stuff like that. And it never, ever balanced, never, ever balanced. And I don't know whether you do this, or maybe it's just me, but I was going around the house going, are you sure? Are you sure you want me to go? Um, but um, in the end, I thought, well, I changed my thinking for, I can't go to, why can't I go? Why can't I go? If they say I can go and they want me to go, why can't I go? And really, if it's just financials, it's not really a reason. So I decided to heck with it. So I bought the tickets and we're going. Um, my son, incidentally, um, I'd done all these calculations and although the, the gap had got shorter, it, it never closed, but it definitely got shorter. Um, and my son, three days before I was due to fly out, and he'd, lived, uh, he'd not lived at home for five years, by the way, um, he, he decided that the job he was supposed to go in London, he, he wasn't so sure about, and he said, Mum, do you mind if I stay in the house for a year while you're away? I thought, right, well, there goes the heating, there goes the lighting, <laughs> there goes the whatever. In fact, it was higher because I wasn't there to follow him around turning off the light switches. Um, so off I went, but God is good, isn't he? And um, I'd like to think that I did a decent job. I'd like to think that I helped the people 
that, uh, that I came into contact with while I was there. I'd like to think that I did them some service uh, and that I gave to them. I, I hope that I did. Um, but actually, what they gave me was so, so much more. Um, it, was, it was a hectic life until I retired. And so when I got there, I had space. It was like taking a year out of your life. And I thought, I can't take a year out of my life. But actually, it was the best thing that ever happened because there was so much space for me to think. It was time out of normal life. Everything slowed down. Um, I couldn't watch television. I didn't understand it. Oops. Um, I did watch a few DVDs. But I caught up on my reading. I caught up on sort of uh, my Bible study. My spiritual life um, developed. It was given a tremendous boost by it. But more than that, it affected my psyche. It, was, it gave me a new understanding, gave me a new appreciation, a new approach to life. It filled me with so much gratitude for what I have. And, and just interacting with the local people was just so uplifting. It's just, they're amazing. Uh, and I was a changed person because of it. So that's my story of investment in gold. Thank you, Linda. We never know, do we, when we say yes to God, um, what he might do in and for us. And we're just going to hear now from a couple of folk who have been away. It's been our youth weekend away this weekend. And um, it's been a great time. We're going to hear more about that next week. But we just um, asked a couple of folks, so Joel and um, Nathan, come on up. We're just going to um, ask them a couple of things because they have been investing this weekend. They have been sharing this weekend. So, Joel, you've been serving as a young leader um, this weekend. Why? Tell us why you went, what um, you've been doing. I mean, it's just, why not be a young leader? <laughs> like, it's just so encouraging to see, like, young people just grow and, like, know who they are in Christ. But we've also had a lot of fun. We've had games going on. We've had me and Nathan running around dressed in all black, chasing kids. <laughs> well, I think I kind of went off on a tangent, but... Yeah, you were Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's just... We've done so much over this week, and we've seen so much growth. It's just... Yeah. It's, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So, why... What did you get out of it? Why, you know, you're sleep-deprived, um, you've been non-stop all weekend... Why would you do it? Why would you go and spend a weekend with 60 young people? Again, why not? Because <laughs> it's just so amazing to see the next generation of just, like, Christians and non-Christians who are getting to know Jesus and getting to find out their identity in Christ. And it's just so powerful just to see that happen as a leader and just being fresh out of the youth, like, We've, we've had youth praying for leaders. We've had all sorts going on, really, haven't we? Like, it's just been crazy. And like, the future generation is a powerful generation. It's yeah, brilliant. So, would you do it again? Was it worth it? 100%. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> hey? And there you go, for it if you want. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so, Nathan, you've been away. Yeah. You could have been at work, you Ooh. could have been with your family, you yeah. could have been living life, but you've been there. Why? Why? Why did you go? I was had a bit of that. After about <laughs> six hours sleep, um, for a, a bed that I couldn't fit in, um, a shower I kept whacking my head on, uh, a harmony of my teammates in the room snoring at night. <laughs> I question why we sacrifice home comforts and do this. But I think, well, why am I here leading youth weekends away? And it's because of the investment that leaders had in me, people like Joel and other of our young leaders and the team here when I was younger. And that is why. And I think if we can transform people's lives through the work of the Holy Spirit through us in our ministry, and if it's just one person's life, that's enough, and that's fine by me. Absolutely. So would you do it again? Uh, yeah, probably change the uh, roommates. But, uh, <laughs> Thank you. So our young people, they're tired. They're, um, they've non-stop all weekend, but they're worth investing in. And, you know, we, we could hear time and time again for people um, who are so thankful that our youth team have invested in our young people over and over again. As parents and grandparents, we've seen that over the years in the life and ministry of Forward Free Methodist Church. We've seen our young people being invested in and growing, and we give God thanks for that because that's the kind of return for your investment you want, isn't it? Young people giving their lives to Jesus, young people saying yes to ministry, young people saying, yes, Holy Spirit, come and do in my life what you want me to do, and just giving themselves to God. So um, as I say, next weekend, next Sunday night, we will be hearing from um, some of the young people themselves and what God has done in their lives. So do keep praying for them. Give God thanks for that. Um, some of them are still drifting back and um, we've got the big truck outside because you can't just go on a youth weekend away. You have to take half the church belongings with you. So they're, they're being unloaded from the truck right now. So keep praying for um, our young people and, and do thank God for them. We're just going to take some time now to think, how do we respond to a message like we've heard today, this morning and tonight? And as Ian said this morning, nobody wants to talk about money. Unless, of course, it's this kind of money. We're, we're all happy we're talking about chocolate money, aren't we? Um, but nobody wants to talk about money. No one wants to talk about giving. It's a private thing. It's an embarrassing thing. And yet we're called to give. We're called to serve. We're called to... Um, invest and that's one of the things that I absolutely love that Ian said this morning he doesn't want us to think about being givers he wants us to think about us being investors and I think if we think about investing in Forward Free Methodist Church we think about it differently and as Ian said tonight you know investing do we want to say that we invest in the heating system here do we want to say we invest in the um, housekeepers who clean the toilets do we want to invest yes we do because a number of people that come in here and say, this place is beautiful, it's clean, it's tidy, it's warm, it's welcoming. And we need all of that as well as what goes on up here. And so we need to be people who are investing in Forward Free Methodist Church in different ways. And I just want to challenge us all tonight, how will we do that? How are we going to invest in Forward Free Methodist Church are we going to start giving? 
Are we going to increase our giving? Are we going to invest through serving? We've been given gifts and talents that God would like us to use to serve. Are we going to give our time, invest our time, an hour a week, 10 hours a week, whatever we feel we're being challenged to do? And so it is a big challenge, but we do believe that God is going to be speaking to us through this series. God is going to be challenging us. God is going to be asking us to step up, to serve, step up, to invest in this church. You've heard we've got a £70,000 deficit. That's nothing to God if his people are willing to be used by him, if they're willing to give what he's asking them of and to give um, in response to that. And in a moment, we're going to sing, and we're going to sing a couple of um, songs, particularly about offering ourselves to God. But one of them's an old hymn as well, and it speaks about giving ourselves to God, giving our life and our moments. That's offering God our time. Giving our hands and our feet. That's saying... I'll serve you wherever you take me. I'm willing to go where you send me, like Linda's just shared. It talks about giving our voice, our lips. Will we speak Jesus? Will we say, yes, I'm going to speak Jesus into the situations, into the places he takes me? It talks about giving our silver and our gold, our treasures. It says, not a mite would I withhold? Will we let him have our treasure? It talks about our intellect. Have you got gifts and skills and talents that you've never offered before that we could use here in this church? It talks about giving our will, our heart, our love. That's our mind, our emotions. Are we willing to give those to God and let God use those? And then finally, it says, I give myself, myself, everything I am, all I am, will I give it? Am I willing to offer everything that I am to Jesus for him to use me as I am? Will we be 100% sold out for God? Ian mentioned the story of the widow's might, and I'm sure you know that story, but I just want to read um, these verses. This is from Luke 21. It says, As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow putting in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave her their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. We're not asking you here to give beyond what you can give. We're asking you to give 100% in your heart. And what you give might look very different to somebody else. You might be able to give financially. You might be able to give um, in service. You might be able to give in time and talent but that could look very different for each one of us. But Christmas is coming and we start to see these coins, don't we, in bags um, at Christmas time. And it was only when I was looking at these, you know, they're all different shapes. 
and yet that's a 10 pence one and that's a 10 pence one but they're actually different sizes and I thought that's a bit like the widow's mite isn't it um, what her 10 pence might look very different to somebody else's 10 pence because of what we can give what we're able to give but actually it's about the heart and the heart of what we give are we giving 100% in our heart? And these are notes. This is a sign of the times, isn't it? Chocolate coins now have notes in. <laughs> but the £5 one looks exactly the same as the £50 one. Again, what somebody gives as a £5 financially or um, sacrificially in serving, giving, talents, time may look very different to somebody else's £50. Equally, they could look the same because it's costing them the same. They're giving up something to give. And I just want to challenge tonight that as we worship, allow God to speak to you. Allow God to say, do you know what? I want you to give that financially. I want you to increase your giving. I want you to say, I'm here. I've got two hours free. What can I do? How can I serve the church? Or I've never told anybody this, but I'm qualified in this area or that area. I've got these skills, these gifts, these abilities, and I'd like to give them to God for the service here in Forward Free Methodist Church. And as we worship, and I don't want you to rush into this, I want you to take time as we're worshipping um, to sing. We're going to sing, I will offer up my life. And then we're going to sing, take my life and let it be. And that lists all those things I've been talking about. Will you let God speak to you? Will you say, I'm open-handed, I'm open-hearted, I'm open-minded tonight, and let God speak? And we're not going to judge each other tonight. We're not going to look and say, oh, they went forward. They did that. God must be speaking to them. We're just going to let God's spirit move tonight and let hearts be challenged and just be free to do what we want to do. And if you want to make that move tonight, make that um, simple step and say, I am going to offer something tonight. I'm going to make a step to say, yes, God, I am up for investing in the work of Forward Free Methodist Church. You can go, you can pick up one of these coins, one of these notes, whatever you feel is right for you and put it in the baskets there. We're not watching. We're not ticking a box. We don't care because it's between you and God tonight. And it'd just be great if you were just in that place where you said, God, come and do what you want to do in me, and through me tonight and just use those as a simple symbol to say I'm saying yes to God I'm saying yes to being invested in Forward Free Methodist Church and all its work